All right. Good morning, everybody. Aloha to you guys online, too. Hey, if you didn't pick up your uh, communion element little kit here, I encourage you to just get up. There's some on the table by the door. Uh, because at the end of the service, after the message, we will be partaking in communion together. Uh, myself and uh, Pastor Stephen will be administering it. And so with that in mind, I encourage you guys to keep that in mind and in your heart. Uh, and just prepare yourselves for uh, partaking communion at the end of the service as we do uh, once a month here on the first Sunday. A couple other announcements, and that is... Uh, Next Saturday, guys, uh, men, we're going to have our men's fellowship, so I encourage you guys to come out 7.30 right here in this room, and we've been having some really good discussions and uh, just going over some scriptures and talking about it and all. And then one important announcement, one other uh, important announcement, I should say, is that not this Friday, but the next week Friday on August 19th at 6 p.m., We are going to have a celebration of life uh, get-together at Tavares Community in remembrance of our beloved Lane Oshido. So I invite you guys all to come out 6 p.m. at Tavares on August 19th. So everyone's invited to that. All right, if you can grab your Bibles and open them up to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to continue our study here through this book, we, we just kind of started it a few weeks ago uh, after studying through the book of Revelation, taking a little break in Psalm 23. If you enjoyed our, our little break between studying books uh, and you enjoyed Psalm 23, you can always go back to our YouTube channel or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, even catch the audio. But uh, for me, it was, it was very enriching. It, was very, it spoke to me a lot. And so I really encourage you guys to go back and listen to those messages, too. But for today, we are back in First Peter. We started a few weeks ago, and we're slowly making our way through this book. Um, and I'm excited to get into the verses that we have for this morning. But let's pray one more time. Lord, thank you so much, God. You are the great I am, and we just worship you this morning. We humble ourselves before you and exalt you as our sovereign God, our creator. And I ask, Lord, as we open the Bible, your word, God, that you would speak to us. Lord, that that your message to us, Lord, for each one of us would be clear and that we would understand what you're showing us, that we would come to a place of faith and trust in you, Lord, because of what your word says. So, Jesus, I, I ask for your special touch here and for your Holy Spirit to anoint this time. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I mentioned today, we come back to our study in the book of First Peter. And as you remember, we are actually in this like three-part series that I call A New Way of Seeing Things. And today is part two. Last week, we started with part one. Now, last time... We covered the first heading actually in our outline. I do have an outline in this whole section that we're taking, and I was thinking of doing it all in one message, but it didn't work out, so you know what? It's in three parts now. I thought, well, maybe two, but now it's in three. And remember the first heading in our outline 
of our title, A New Way of Seeing Things, is that is number one, joy in your salvation. And that is what we studied last week. And you remember Peter was calling us from verses 3 to 5 to praise God, to, to really exalt the Father. And we found four ways, and in those four ways, that it was to generate joy in our salvation, thus our heading, Joy in Your Salvation. And just for you guys to just be reminded, if you missed it, you can, again, catch the YouTube archive or or our podcast. But just to remind you, the four things that we saw under joy in your salvation was, number one, praise to the Father for his mercy. And that was in verse 3. And then number two was praise to the Father for the living hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And number three was praise to the Father for your inheritance, that we have this inheritance awaiting for us in heaven. That was verse four. And then number four was praise to the Father for the secure future that we have in Christ, in our salvation. That was verse five. And that covered Basically, these were the four things that would bring joy in our salvation, that we would see things in a new way, that we would live differently because of the truth that Peter first brought out about our salvation. Now, today we go on to the next part in our outline. Our full outline really is, number one, joy in your salvation. Number two, joy even in the trials. And number three, joy in knowing Jesus. And so today we're going to do number two, joy even in the trials. Next time we're going to do joy in knowing Jesus. But you see, if you see the three uh, headings here, it's this complete thought that Peter's putting forth here that we got to have a new way of seeing things and how we live this life here on earth. And this is how we see them and have joy at the same time. Well, this morning and today, we are going to focus in on number two in our outline, joy even in the trials. Joy even in the trials. So if you're taking notes here, number two in our outline is that. You know, I was thinking about this person who from long ago wrote some of the most beautiful songs in history, in the history of humanity. Yet, the circumstances in his life was not always so beautiful. At age 10, both his parents passed away. And then he was raised by his really bitter brother toward him. His brother didn't even like him. When he was, when he was older and got married, his wife died after 13 years of marriage. They had 20 children, or he had 20 children. I think he got remarried. I don't know which one was what. But, but he ended up having 20 children, but only nine survived. Uh, he himself, as he got older, he had a stroke. He went blind, and he even had another stroke. So the circumstances in his life weren't that great throughout his lifetime. But despite all his troubles... Despite the depths of despair and tragedy, he ended up writing some of the greatest songs of praise to God, adoration to God, joy, joy. We, we, I remember in our wedding, we, a part of the wedding ceremony with Kristen and I, we had the song written by him that was called Joy, Jesu, Joy, uh, joy of Man's Desiring. Well, his name, it's the famous composer, Johann Sebastian Bach. 
That's who wrote all these songs in the midst of all these circumstances. If you ever look at any of his music, at the top is notated JJ, which means Jeujuva, uh, which in Latin is Jesus help me. And at the bottom of his manuscripts of his music is SDG, Sola de Gloria, uh, to God alone be glory. So he was a man who who was always after God, always about God, always praising God, and finding, no matter the circumstances, that he would find joy and praise in them. And so that's what we're coming into here, really. That's the idea in number two in our heading, joy even in the trials. Now, for today, we're going to be covering verses six through seven, six through seven. And let's take a look at that first of all. I'll read it, and you can follow along. Here I'm reading from the ESV version, and it says here in 1 Peter chapter 1, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So that's our section for this morning. Let's, let's go in depth in here. Let's kind of take it apart and learn what the scripture is teaching us. We begin here in verse 6 with the apostle Peter who wrote this letter, this book. He wrote, first of all, in verse 6, in this you rejoice. In what? That's the question. What are we rejoicing in? Well, in the salvation that believers have in Jesus. It's everything what, what we, I just talked about, what we learned last week from verse 3 to 5. It, it bridges. Really, when he says, in this you rejoice, it's bridging these two sections. And so, Peter's saying, believers rejoice. The word rejoice means gush forth in joy. It's like break out in joy, basically. Understanding that, that this joy that we're breaking out comes from everything Peter established in us understanding about our salvation in Jesus. Again, what we talked about in verses 3 through 5. And understand this also, that when he talks about uh, uh, breaking out in joy, that this joy is, is not based on circumstances, right? He's really pointing back to our salvation. Now, you've heard me say that happiness is more based on our circumstances, our situation. But joy is much deeper. Joy is really based on God and what, what he gives us, that joy that he gives us. And here, Peter's tying it to the salvation. And so he's saying, hey, break forth in joy, gush forth in joy. In other words, the, the joy we Yet, it comes from the fact that God has worked in our lives and is working right now in our lives. So that's the idea there. Now remember the background to this letter in this book, right? That at this time, at the writing of this letter, Caesar Nero is bringing upon intense persecution upon Christians. They're dying. They're being arrested. They're being thrown to the lions. They're burned as uh, torches in Caesar's garden. So there's a lot of stress. There's a lot of anxiety. Christians are losing their jobs, losing their homes. There's a lot of things going on here. 
So as Peter begins to write here, he establishes, hey, first, hey, remember your salvation. So rejoice in that. Find joy in that, not in your circumstances, but in the fact that, hey, you've got a future, you're saved, everything's taken care of as far as your salvation. So then Peter now, he goes on in verse 6, in this you rejoice. Peter's like, rejoice in your salvation. And you know what? You can still carry this joy even though you are going through this time of trials. That's what he's bringing us into here in verse 6. From understanding our foundation, our, our joy comes from our salvation. But now he's carrying it through that even though you're in this trial, guess what? You can still have joy, joy even in the trials. That's our heading here. Um, I think of right away James chapter 1, verse 2, right? Where it says, count it all joy when you fall into trials of various kinds. We know that verse, right? And, and sometimes it's hard to say, well, God, I, I don't know if I could count it all joy when these things happen. I mean, that's what I tell the Lord. I don't know what you say. But I'm like, God, I don't know about that verse. Maybe we should take it out of the Bible. No, but there's truth in it, right? That if God says, no, count it all joy, that we can find joy even in times of trial. But, but how can we have that? How can we really have real joy in trials? How, how can we, we, we do that? I mean, sometimes we think, well, if we grit our teeth, yeah, we'll get through. We'll just, we'll just yeah, push through and, just, and, and, and like that. But that's not what the word tells us. That's not what Peter is telling us here. Now, what we're going to find in these two verses is in this passage, we're going to find four things that Peter brings out to help us to have that joy even in the trials. And that's why I'm taking the time just one Sunday to really focus in on these verses. And that's why our, really our focus is joy even in the trials. So we're going to see four things that will help us to have joy even in trials. So here's number one. This is what Peter shows us. Trials will not last forever. Number one, trials will not last forever. Go back to verse 6. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, he writes here. Peter says trials, they're going to be really for a little while. In other words, it's a temporary situation. It, 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 it's, it's not something that's going to go on endlessly forever. It's, it's here for a season. That's all. That's what Peter's trying to say here. Now, some trials, they are short. Maybe they're for one day. Maybe they're for one hour. Some trials last weeks. Some last months, years. Um, and some seem like they never go away, right? But listen, even if you're in a trial that lasts for the rest of your life, like think about Paul's thorn in the flesh, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Even if it's, it's something like that, they... These trials are short compared to eternity. The, the trials in our life here are really nothing compared to life in eternity. Listen to what 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, and this is the NLT version. It says this, For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will 
last forever. So Paul here in 2 Corinthians 4, he's trying to say, hey, yeah, you know, the troubles, trials, they're, they're small. They're not going to last long compared now, if you think about it, to the glories of eternity. The, 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 the glories of eternity, life in eternity, which is forever, are nothing compared to our life here on earth. And the trials that we experience here are, are just nothing compared to all, all the joy and bliss and glory in eternity. So it's important to keep that perspective that no matter if, if you're going through some trials that seem long or short, that either way, trials will not last forever. I read about this preacher who always said that his favorite phrase in the Bible was, it came to pass. It came to pass. And so the congregation was, why do you always say that? And, and when he was asked why, he explained it this way. He said, whenever I'm going through a trial or trouble or facing difficulty, this little phrase reminds me, it came to pass not to stay. <laughs> I like that one. Yeah. So trials will not last forever. So you guys, hold on tightly to God. Hold on to him. Wait on the Lord. Find strength to endure all the way to the end. Trust God that this isn't forever. This isn't just, oh, this is my lot in life, all this. And, and just get all depressed about that. No, it's not going to last forever. And that means you're going to make it in the end. So trials will not last forever. So you can have joy even in trials because trials will not last forever. And number two, the second thing Peter brings out here is trials are necessary in God's plan. Now this is a hard one, I think, you know, to hear. But number two, what Peter brings out is trials are necessary in God's plan. Take a look at verse 6 again. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while... If necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So he finishes this verse off. We finish this verse off. And Peter adds, if necessary, or probably better, you can say, when necessary. I, 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 if sometimes it can be translated since or if. But I, I like to think of, uh, in our modern language, that Peter's saying, when necessary. Well, well, why would it be necessary for us to go through these troubles and trials? What's the answer? Well, God uses trials to fulfill his work in our life, lives and to fill, fulfill his plan in our lives, right? He has a plan and he has a purpose in, in the trials. He's working something. So trials do something in our lives. And that's what Peter really answers. Well, how does God accomplish this work in this plan? Well, Peter writes, when you are grieved by various trials. So it's necessary that you are grieved by various trials. That's what he's saying here. The word grieved here means saddened or disappointed. The word grieved here means like in distress or, or being uh, filled with anxiety. It means like even suffering through or even pain, even feeling that pain. You know, the interesting thing, the same Greek word in this original language for grieve is used 
of what Jesus went through in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember when he sweat great drops of blood? It was the night before he died on a cross. And so it was pretty a heavy night there as he was facing the cross that he would take upon his body all the sins of the world. So that was pretty heavy for him. Well, that he was this same word, grieved in that way. And then here Peter says, various trials. That it's necessary that we're grieved. We go through this distress. We go through these troubles. We go through these feelings by various trials. The word various literally is many colored. So it's not just one type of trial, but it's different kinds of trials that God deems necessary for us to go through. And we're talking about physical trials, physical things, yeah, or, or, or emotional trials, maybe mental trials, spiritual trials, which could include like attack from the enemy, spiritual attack from the devil, the demonic oppression, things like that. So various, many colored trials will come. And you know what? It's really for various reasons, too. That things will happen in our lives. And God uses those things in our life to work his plan, to to fulfill his purposes in his plan. And we have to understand it's necessary that these things happen. Now, we understand that there's various trials. I mean, if, if, we, if you've lived here on planet Earth, right, for some time, you understand there's all kinds of troubles that can come, right? Physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, all these things come. And so these trials are necessary in God's plan. And I want to talk about some of, some of them. Um, we could spend a long time, you know, on this. We could spend many Sundays on getting into detail on what the scripture says. I mean, we understand some of them, like, oh, you know, God works patience. James 1, he goes on to verse 3 that he works patience or endurance in us with trials. We, we understand those things. We understand that trials can even put our minds on heaven, right, and remind us, oh, this isn't everything. We have a life in heaven, but but let me, let me bring to you and just highlight maybe four things. I don't know. I'm in this four thing right now. So four things that are, are necessary, why God brings these trials. And, and let me give you this first, things, first thing. Trials are necessary to help you become more like Jesus. Trials are necessary to help you become more like Jesus. You know, Romans 8, 29 says that we're predestined to the image of Christ, right? In other words, God is helping us in our sanctification, in our growth in the Holy Spirit, to become, in character, more like Jesus Christ. That, that, that's our journey here on, on earth. So trials are necessary for us to grow in that character to become a lot more like Jesus Christ. You know, I was thinking about how um, uh, when, I, when I was in my 20s, I, I was working for my uncle repairing cameras. And um, uh, he sent me to this training, this class. So I'd get this certificate and, and go to this class, get a certificate, and then I could come back and fix this particular model of camera. And after I finished the course, I was able to do that job. I was thinking about, well, I wish I could just take a class on, say, having compassion like Jesus did, 
you know, take the test, get my certificate, and poof, I have compassion like Jesus now. I mean, don't you wish that? Sometimes, right, that, that those things that, you know, Christ wants us to be in our character that we could just, oh, Lord, okay, we're, you know, 101 here on giving forgiveness, you know, okay, oh, this is how you do it, okay, right, take the test and poof, you can forgive people, right? But it doesn't happen like that. It doesn't work like that. You know how the only way is to grow spiritually, to grow in that character, is going through the fire. It's going through the trial. It's going through those situations, right? That, that's what God uses for us to grow in, to what we experience, what we go through in that fire. That's where we really learn and grow. So I'm sorry to say it's a kind of depressing. Huh? You just can't take a class. But you got to go through these things. That's why it's so necessary, Peter says, that we go through trials so that we can grow and become more like Jesus. You know what someone once said? The world has been greatly advanced by those who suffer. Isn't that interesting? Because those who have gone through the suffering can help people who are suffering. And, and, and only, that's the only way we can understand that. So keep in the front of your mind there is a purpose and plan through the suffering, through the pain, through what you go through, through the trials. Just keep in mind it's necessary because God's plan is for us to become more like Christ. And so it's necessary for us to go through that trial to become more like him. There's another thing I want to give you here. Trials are necessary to learn what it means to depend on God. I mean, I, th- I think that's one of those things that we learn all the time. I do. I need to learn all the time, right? Trials are necessary to learn what it means to depend on God. You know, I think about when Jesus said in John 15, 15, that without me, you can do nothing. And it's true. Yeah, We need Christ for everything that we do. And so trials, they're necessary to learn what it means to depend on God. I mean, could it be, perhaps, maybe you've been relying too much, let's say, on your own strength, yeah? Or maybe your own skills, yeah? Let me tell you, self-reliance is a bad thing. God wants us to rely upon him. And when we get too much into self-reliance, the trials designed, you know what, to take you beyond your ability, yeah? To bring you to a place where it's beyond your ability, beyond your control, And then what are you forced to do? You have to run to God and rely upon him. Perhaps maybe you've been sliding, yeah, and putting your trust in your bank account, in how much you make at your job. So guess what comes? Financial trials, right? Uh, Bills that you didn't expect. Or maybe you lose your job. You know, you had been trusting that finances that came from your your job and now you lose your job what do you got to do god i got to trust you god you 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 promised that you would provide for every one of my needs philippians 4 right so it could be the trial is helping you to depend upon god to you've been sliding so god says what we're going to get you back on trusting me perhaps you used to pray way more than you do now 
And then this trial comes. But you know what? This trial is really designed to get you back to waiting on the Lord, to going to prayer. It could be that, you know. Because we'll pray, right? We'll like, uh, the situation happens, the circumstances, we're like, ah, right? And so we run to God, we're praying, we're in church all the time, we go to every prayer meeting, right? Every meeting that there is, you're going because you want to just pray, you want to hear from the Lord. So you're praying, praying, praying. And then that, that situation is over. Yeah, the emergency is done. And then what happens? Uh, little by little, you don't go to this meeting, or you don't go to prayer anymore. Oh, you don't go to church twice a week. Now you just go one, once a week. Yeah. Because, well, everything's good, right? And you start to drift away, and you're not even praying at home anymore, ta- spending time waiting upon the Lord and talking to Him. So what does God say? Well, we got to help you with this. So it's necessary. <laughs> Here's this trial. And what does it do? It causes you to get back to waiting on the Lord and praying to Him. Here's another thing. Trials are necessary to discipline you, to stop you from continuing on in sin. We know, like Hebrews 12 talks about, that the Father disciplines us. Yeah, Like a, a father disciplines or chastises his children. So trials could be a form of discipline to, you know, wake us up, to get our attention, to stop us from continuing on in sin. So do you see why Peter says, well, when necessary, yeah, you're going to be grieved by these various trials. And it may be necessary to discipline you to stop you from continuing on in sin. I, I recently heard about a man who fell into adultery. Uh, but through it all, God restored him back to him and back to his wife. And, and he's, he, he's doing really well now. Uh, at a certain meeting, uh, he had shared that it was through this, these consequences, the discipline of his consequences, that you know what he shared? That it humbled his pride. Yeah. And it humbled him. And then he said this, God loves us too much to let us get away with sin. I like that. He cares so much about us that he will discipline us. So we don't think we could just keep going on in sin. So you see, understand that even in discipline, it's because of God's love. And that even no matter what various trials that we go through, God is doing this work in us because of love. God is working his purpose because of love. God is fulfilling his plan because of his love for us. Let me give you one more thing. Trials are necessary in order to truly realize the sufficient grace of God. Trials are necessary in order to truly realize the sufficient grace of God. I don't think we think about that enough. I don't think we think about how daily grace is really helps us. Yeah? We get self-reliant. We think we know. We get into our sin. Yet God is still there. And so he brings this trial where we learn that, whoa, God is there for us. Uh, this is really from 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Remember when the Lord talked to Apostle Paul about his thorn in the flesh. He prayed three times. God uh, take it away and everything. What did God tell him? 
My grace is sufficient for you. In your weakness, you'll be strong. And so I want you to zero in on that, that there's enough grace for trials, whether they're small, whether they're big, trials that, that, that get to us, trials that, that we, we fail in, like we get tempted in, and, and we doubt God, or we, we say things we shouldn't say, those kind of trials. Yeah? There's grace that even though we didn't handle it perfectly, God still is there to help us. You know, I was thinking about how it's not so much I need grace in in the huge events, you know, uh, health events or financial events, and we go pray and we're crying out to God and we're we're doing our best I can with God, but, but we go all out, right? And we, on the huge events, we tend to like focus in on faith and the promises of God. But I think it's the small things, the tiny things, the daily things, yeah? Like, like oh, you're, you're, you're driving down the highway and a car cuts you off. That's a trial, yeah? I know it is for me. It's like, hey, slow down, or why didn't you drive farther? Why are you doing that to me, you know, kind of thing, right? Or, or, or maybe you go into your house and you turn the... You go to turn the light on, and it's not working. It's like, yeah, what's going on here? Or, or, you know, it's those daily things. Like, why is it that uh, after you make your toast and butter and put jelly on, and you accidentally, oh, trip or something, the toast always falls on the jelly side, right? It's those things that just bother you, those those everyday kind of things. that, And especially if it happens again and again and again. Those little irritant, irritants, yeah? Isn't that, I mean, for me, it's like all those little things can bother me so much, yeah? That, that it is a trial. Sadly, we value comfort over character. So we forget about everything we're learning today, and we just get all upset. But then does God say, Look, you sat through a message on Sunday about trials and you go home and this little thing gets you upset and now you're mad and, and you're yelling at everyone. You know what? Forget you then. No, God doesn't say that. God gives us grace Yeah. to, hey, it's all right. Come on. Remember what we learned? Go listen again. <laughs> Look at your notes. Open your Bible. He gives us grace and he comes, guess what? To help us. To strengthen us. He's there. And then we realize, wow, it's only by the grace of God that I can even continue on. That God gives me sufficient grace to get through my trials. Trials are necessary in order to truly realize the sufficient grace of God. I'm going to share um, this poem someone gave one of my friends. and, And it was when he preached on this passage and talking about various many colored trials and this poem is called God's palette and let me read it to you it goes like this life's colors come with various hues brightest golds and deepest blues pastels of commitment burning reds and yellows of pain as one fades away another comes back again there is black No color at all. A hole of depression as if in a fall. Perfect colors come from God alone. Exactly selected from his place on the throne. 
The colors he uses to confirm or replace are all are applied precisely using his palette of grace. I think that's beautiful. So in the various trials we go through, there's various grace for us. In the many colors of trials, there's the many colors of his palette of grace. All right. So we can find joy, you see, even in trials, because trials will not last forever. Trials are necessary in God's plan, and we just went through a bunch of things about that. And then number three here, trials prove that your faith is real. Trials prove that your faith is real. We go on here in verse 7. Let's look at the whole verse. It says, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to look at the first half of this verse here. And so Peter's saying, hey, when, it, when trouble comes, he's saying your faith is actually tested for its genuineness. That's what he's saying in this first part. It's test the tested genuineness of your faith. So trials and troubles actually testing where your faith is at. The, the word for trial uh, is really, it could mean, uh, it's been translated either temptation, trial or trouble, or testing. It just depends on the context of how it's written. If Satan is part of this context, and he tempts you. But if God is in that context, it's a testing. So here we see that our faith is tested of its genuineness. Now, that's what trouble does. And, it, and it's not that God doesn't know yeah, where your faith is, what, is, where it's at. But trials reveal where our faith is to us. Yeah? That, that's what really shows. And what it reveals, and, and I feel like this is what the passage is saying, that no matter how hard it gets, no matter how, how, how bad it gets or how close you get to, ah, just giving up, true believers still hold on to God. That's what I think is, is, is being revealed here. I mean, think about you guys here in, in your life, yeah? No matter how bad it, 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 it got, look back, right? You're, you're still here. You're, you're, you're hanging on no matter, no matter what. Matter of fact, the trial itself, it, 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 may, it may have even almost caused you to walk away from God, but actually it made you stronger. Look back again. You're still here. You're stronger in it. And that's sort of this idea that Peter is starting to, to bring out here. That your faith is being tested to show its genuineness. That what you begin to see is there is faith there. And with God doing that, that, that allowing this in his sovereignty, he's really bringing out your faith in these moments. So Peter, with that in mind, brings this picture of what gold now. He says in verse 7, 
It's tested. Genuineness of your faith is tested, which is more precious than gold. Your faith is more precious than, than gold stuff to God. Your faith is what's important. That's what he's saying. So Peter brings this picture of gold being tested, meaning being put into the fire. Tested by the fire, says in verse 7. Now, gold melts at, at 1,948 degrees. And at that temperature, if, if it's not real gold, the whole thing is just this big melted mess. But with real gold, what happens, it liquefies, and then any impurities, any dross, right, rises to the top, and it's skimmed off. And what's left is, is just the pure gold. So the fire proves it's real gold. The fire proves it's not just a melted mess, but in our lives, in the trials, as children of God, as we go through it, it shows that, whoa, we're still here. God is still here. And, and, and yes, impurities are, 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 um, are, are skimmed off, and that's what we kind of talked about, what's necessary in a plan of God, and a lot of this in our growth, right, in, in our discipline. But what's left is this goal, this faith, that is proved to be real. That's what you find here. This is what, what Peter's talking about, which is much more precious than gold, that eventually gold's going to perish. It's not going to be around. But your stronger faith that results in the end, guess what? It's going to go on into eternity. It's going to go with you into heaven. So that's what God values the most. Do you understand that? It's your faith. It's the growth of your faith. It's, it, it, it's you trusting in God even more. It's not, you know, it's not like how much money you make, yeah? How much you've accomplished with your gifts and talents. It's not about how successful you were in this life. It's about how much you grew in faith. That's what's important to God. God tests you. God stretches your faith so it would grow, and in the end, God's like, yeah, this is what my focus is about. This is what I look to being what's most valuable in your life. So think about that now. God, he, he, he brings these trials and it proves your faith. It shows you have faith and it grows your faith. And it's God working this so that even you yourself will see, wow, I have faith. God is helping me in the faith. So, you know, the focus is on faith. You know, in our problems, we can get so uh, a tunnel vision. Like, it's this problem. It's all about this. And you want to solve this. You want to get that done. And yes, that's important. Whatever that problem, whatever the root of that is, yeah. You, you know, we pray for that. We hope for that. It's important. It's causing this trial. But even underneath that, even greater than that, God is saying, yeah, we're going to solve that. We're going we're, we're gonna to make that right. We're going to get through this. But you know what's more important to me is your faith, that your faith will grow. So focus in on that. Maybe you're going through something today. Maybe you walked in here and you're in this extreme trial, and it's difficult. It's hard. 
And, and all you can do is just focus on that. And, and today I hope you're, you're, you're taking a step back and seeing more of the picture of what God is doing. But I want you to see this right here in this section, right where we're at, that God is working on your faith, on your trust in him. So look at your trial through those lenses. Understand when in God's plan as, as, as he, he brings in the fire and like gold, he wants to prove that faith and make it more pure. You know what? Understand then God knows that what you need and how much you need and how long this should go on, how hot the fire should be, God knows what would produce that faith. He's not just uh, letting things go or allowing something just to, to make you squirm, you know, to laugh at you, to, to see you uh, burn your hand. No, it's all planned and purpose. It's all designed for your faith to be stretched and then to grow. Warren Wiersbe said this, When God permits his children to go through the furnace, he keeps his eye on the clock and his hand on the thermostat. <laughs> I love that. So trust him. Know that. Child of God, trust in the Lord that the trial, it's not going to overtake you. It's not going to be too much to bear, right? 1 Corinthians 10, 13, right? Right? 10, 13, where it says, um, No temptation or trial is overtaking you. That is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be... Tempted or tried beyond your ability. We think, oh, we can't do it. We think, no way, God. Oh, no, I can't handle it. God says, no, I know you can. I know how much you can take. And, and I know that it's necessary to get you this farther in faith. So understand, like gold, our trials prove that our faith is real. And God uses that. All right, number four is trials endured will bring honor. Our last <clears throat> thing here that Peter's talking about, number one was trials will not last forever. Uh, number two is trials are necessary in God's plan. Number three, trials prove that your faith is real. And now number four, trials endured will bring honor. So at the <clears throat> last part of verse 7, Peter writes, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So Peter writes that this tested faith that we're talking about will bring, you know what, much praise, much honor, much glory. God, in other words, will bring you recognition. God will bring recognition. You hung on, yeah? You, you worked with me in this plan and purpose that I, that I allowed in your life. Your faith was still there and it grew even when things get, got so hard. That, that's what Peter's saying. You know what? God's going to recognize that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but that, uh, that, that really inspires me to hang on to, all right, God, one day you're going to say to me, well done, my good and faithful servant. 
I know it was hard. I know you went through it. And I know you hung on in faith because you knew it was necessary for you to grow, to become more like me. You knew it was necessary that you need to be disciplined sometimes. You knew that it was necessary for your faith to be stretched and tested so it would become even stronger. And you know what? Well done, good and faithful servant. And when will this happen? Verse 7 says, at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And that really speaks about when Jesus returns, his second coming at the end of the tribulation, sets up his kingdom on the earth. And basically, it's saying when, when Jesus is revealed to the whole world, to everybody, that you know what? He's real, that he is true, and that your faith in what you hung on to, what you believed in here, that you didn't give up on God, that you didn't say, oh, forget it, God, this doesn't work. Yeah. No, I know Jesus is real. I know this is just temporary. I know there's an eternal life with him coming. I have a future with him. I'm going to hang on for that. That everyone will see when everyone sees Jesus, the world, that your faith is true. So honor God by holding on in faith And God will honor you back. That's the idea. You know, it's one thing to have faith when things are good, right? When we're comfortable, when we're happy, things are rolling. Yeah, I have faith in God. Yeah, thank you, God, right? But when life happens, when, 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 when things fall apart, when someone hurts you, when persecution comes upon us, especially we're going to be persecuted more and more as we talked about the other day there's there's a culture wars going on between our values and principles to what society is changing into when life gets hard yeah that's where faith is going to show right that's when we're in the fire that's when our faith will be proved when it's going to come to light if it's real or not when it gets Hard. Are we going to hold on to Jesus? Are we going to continue to hold to the principles in this Bible and the truths that we know here of God and who he is? Or are we going to abandon him? Think about it this way. <clears throat> what if in order to silence Satan's accusation against you, God says, go ahead, bring trouble upon him. Bring trouble. He's, he, he's not going to deny me. He's still going to praise me. Does, do you recognize that story? Job, right? The book of Job. Satan came to God. Ah, Job, he's just following you because you bless him. God said, no, no, he's, he's the most righteous man. No, he, he follows me because he believes in me. Okay, have at it. And Job lost everything, right? And Job still said, blessed be the name of God. He gives, he takes, right? Sometimes, who knows what's going on behind the scenes, yeah? That to silence the enemy's accusation, God will allow trouble to come upon us. So where's your faith? Will you hold on? Will you say, no, God, I'm going to believe in you no matter what Satan wants to do. I'm going to hold on. I'm going to have faith in you and trust in you. That, that your word is true and trials are for a reason and trials are necessary and trials aren't going to be temporary. I'm going to trust in you here and I'm going to hold on with all my might. What if 
God puts your faith to test because God wants to use this situation you're in and how he gets you through because he wants to use it for his glory. Think about that. Remember the life of Joseph? Everything he went through. And in Genesis 50, he told his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good, to save a nation. Perhaps what you're going through, though it's troubling, though it's evil from someone, but God in his sovereign plan is working it so that people would get saved. Think about that. See how we need to open our minds up and not limit God yeah, to what we think and, and what, what, what it should be and in our own self-righteousness. No, I know, I know. I have my opinion. This is what I think. Yeah, God said, yeah, okay. Well, I'm going to do something else. Something that's going to blow your mind. So let's honor In faith. You know, what I think about, remember Paul and Silas? They were sharing Jesus. They were then persecuted, they were captured, beaten, right? Thrown in jail. And in the middle of the night, in the darkest dungeon, the darkest times after being beaten physically, and can you imagine what they're going through emotionally? Uh, uh, Satan didn't want them to preach Jesus. And, and so uh, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, they're just being attacked. But in the middle of the night of their troubles, what do we find in Acts 16? They sang songs of joy to God. They were worshiping God. That's how God wants us to be. That's how we can find that joy. By, re, by, by looking at these things, remembering these things, having these things in our heart, and seeing these things and what's happening differently. I'll close with this. A pastor in the early 1900s, Donald Gray Barnhouse, told of a woman who uh, came home after being made to wait in a cold rain. She was drenched, soaked to the bone, basically all chilled out, and she went home only to find that the fire was out in her house, and it was just super cold in there. She decided, forget it. She skipped dinner, went right up to go to bed, and cry it all out, she said. But as she changed out of her wet clothes, the Lord brought these words to her mind. And this is what she shared to the pastor. There is never a day so dreary. There is never a night so long. But the soul that is trusting Jesus will somewhere somehow find a song. I love that. So with these things we just studied this morning, you and I, we can find that song. You and I, we can sing. We can find joy. Joy even in the trials. And so take these things that we've learned today, take them today, and let it be a new way of seeing things. Let's pray. Lord, as we <clears throat> close up, Lord, in, this, in your word, this passage today, God, there's a lot of things that have been said. And God, help us to go back, Lord, through them, whether in our notes or our notes in our mind, God.
But let us learn. Let us grow. Let us not leave here without understanding that, Lord, you have a purpose. You have a plan that you are working in our lives, even in trials. And, and even if it's necessary, it's only temporary. Even, even if uh, we're being disciplined, God, we know it's for a purpose to free us from our sins. No, help us understand that the fire proves our faith. It grows it. It, it, it. it takes away those things that are not of faith and shows us that, look, there's faith still there, and it grows it. Lord, thank you that as we honor you in faith, that you will, you will honor us one day. And that, that's what I want to be, God. I want to show you that I'm going to hang on. I'm going to, I'm going to endure. I'm going to try my best with all my effort through your strength, God, to get through this life on this earth. With all the things that it brings, the, the disappointments, the, the hurt, the pain, the sufferings, because I know, Lord, that one day I will be with you and all this will be like nothing. And one day I will show you with my life. I would have shown you with my life that I believe in you, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we know as we sit here that none of this could even be possible without your salvation. No wonder Peter established that last week in the first part of this letter to praise you God for that living hope we have in your salvation God thank you thank you for dying on the cross rising again for shedding your blood for the atonement of my sins so that I may be forgiven and that I may be a child of God and be made you and we have a relationship with you Lord that you are intimately involved and we can engage with you, Jesus. Thank you so much. And those thoughts are in our mind as we move into this time of communion. I pray that you continue to minister to our hearts, Lord, that as we remember what you've done on the cross in communion, that your spirit would speak and bring us to that place of being made right with you. Thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.